Good evening, everybody, and welcome to High Spirits. I'm Jay Steigman, and with me, as always, is my best pal, Noelle Schmidt. That's right. Uh, this show is a show where we talk about ghosts and we drink spirits. Yes. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Um, you are here for episode 16, mm-hmm. um, so thank you very much for uh, tuning in. Yes. Yeah. Thank you. We want to talk real fast about it. Yeah. You know, um, we want to talk real fast about our sponsors. I am drinking um, a new Glarus uh, beer. I'll help you out with that because yeah, I need too. It's a Spotted Cow <laughs> Grand Cru. It's a. That's right. Yeah. It's a special edition of the New Glarus Spotted Cow. If you're not familiar with New Glarus, it's a brewery in uh, New Glarus, Wisconsin, mm-hmm. and they only distribute in Wisconsin. Yeah. On purpose. So this is contraband. It's contraband. I brought it over from the, the Mars border. Cheese Castle. I did. I brought it to the Mars <laughs> Cheese Castle and I brought it you over the border. You actually sent me a text uh, and you were like, I have curds. I have New Glarus. Let's do this. <laughs> I have sausage curds. <laughs> no, New Glarus. <laughs> Are you coming over? Oh, um, man. Yeah. It's, so it's their like special edition uh, Spotted Cow, which is their most famous beer. Mm-hmm. I have no idea what the special edition part of it is. I think it's delicious. It's delightful. Yeah. And I um, uh, am really, really enjoying it. I'm doing that thing that they teach you to do on brewery tours where you hold your fingers behind. Mm-hmm. And if you can see them perfectly, it's a it's a very nice brew. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah. Yeah. If you ever have a chance to go, go to the New Glarus uh, Brewery in uh, New Glarus, Wisconsin. It's a little Swiss town. Yeah. Uh, Rolling Hills. It's quite lovely actually it's like set on top of this hill and it just looks off onto all this farmland Uh and did you almost get kicked out once no not me but somebody you were with nope i thought so not then that i know of or remember (laughs) we'll Uh, talk about it offline i don't no i seriously don't i don't we did not get kicked out okay we had a great time okay i feel like you were day drinking with a friend of ours and you got in trouble Oh, that was later. Oh. <laughs> okay. That was at dinner. Same day. Same day. But it was later. Yeah. Okay. All right. Um, and we didn't get kicked out. She was... Chastised. Yes. By a, another patron of the restaurant that we were at. And Got it was unwarranted. Uh, allegedly. Alleged. Well, I was there. And I will say... <laughs> Just kidding. I was even, like, surprised by it. Um... But yeah, it's... it's well, you a, have to be PG. I mean, it's a different state. Right. She said some words that she probably shouldn't they have. They were on the cursing side of things, right? Right. But she was actually, like, toned down for sure. her. Because, yes, this is a friend of ours <laughs> who has a, a pretty severe potty mouth. And she was actually... Yeah, if you can believe it, uh, curses more than me. <laughs> she was actually pretty uh, toned down okay. in this particular night. So even I was like, sir, you don't even know. Yeah, you're getting... <laughs> He told her to go back to Madison, which is oh, what he told her to that's do. That's amazing. Which was probably the best part of the night. That is, I mean, that's basically like the New York City of Wisconsin. It is. I think his exact you, words. You take your gutter sass mouth back to <laughs> Madison, man. I believe his exact words were, if you're going to speak like that, you can go back to Madison. Jeez. And we were all like, what? Sir, we're just here having this nice Swiss dinner. Yeah. Um, Fondue? I couldn't tell you. I had a lot of beer that day. Um, allegedly. <laughs> allegedly. Yeah, but it's a really cool town. They have this hilarious um, Swiss hotel. The bathrooms are like powder blue. Great. Um, yeah, it's great. Check well, it out. Uh, who are you sponsored by? Oh, oh, yes. Yeah, we forgot about you. Uh, let me reach for it. Yeah, I that am, was a big reach. That was a big reach. Uh, I am drinking tonight Prophecy. <gasps> Look at that label. Right? Like these two. Yeah. We're clearly like, you know, they're fulfilling a prophecy. Are they headed down to Bone Town? Oh, I think so. Okay. so is, she, is she naked wearing boots? No, she's wearing like some kind oh, of I see. drapery. Okay. Yep. They're like Greek, Roman, something like that. In front of a tree. <clears throat> I don't From know. a distance, it looks like they're naked. Look like, looks like they're kind of like. Because there's a lot of beige, but I realize right. how that's a dress. It's a dress. It looks like they're kind of part of the tree. Sure. It's cool. It's a red blend. Well, it's right, because her feet. Yeah, they yeah. don't have... Oh, wait, those might be your feet. It's hard to say. Yeah. <laughs> um, Every time we would describe a label, I end up regretting it. Right, so we're going to stop there. Yeah. But it's a prophecy. It's a red blend. It's pretty good. 
<laughs> no, that's the no, tagline. No tagline. Oh no, I failed. I'm a little surprised. It's pretty good. It's all right. Uh, oh man, I'll come thanks, up with. Thanks for listening, prophecy. Oh, I'll come up with something better. I'm sorry, prophecy. Um. So, uh, Noelle, you're going. Mm-hmm. Episode uh 16. <laughs> wow. <laughs> no, do it into the microphone. <laughs> that's what I got the wrong way. The prophecy hit me the wrong way. It's oh. mad at me for not having a tagline. It went down the wrong tube. Prophecy, it packs a punch. There you go. All yeah. right. Boom. Now that the spirit kicked your ass. Yeah. So, uh, episode 16, icting, icting. Oh, boy. Okay. All right, dude. I'm I'm so excited about Great. this. And uh, there's this story. Buckle up. I'm buckled. Because this story is so ripe yeah. with characters. Great. Uh, they're incredible. Okay. So... I'm going to talk today about the mysterious case of Doris Bither. Doris Bither. <laughs> um, <laughs> Can I say, I don't know, I don't know who that is. I'm going to tell you. I'm very excited. All right. Doris Bither uh, was, um, grew up as Doris McGowan. That was her maiden name. She was raised in an upper middle class family from the Midwest. By Rose McGowan. No relation that I know of. I'm kidding. <laughs> but wouldn't that be something? Yeah, I'm, 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 the age difference would seem pretty severe, but... Well, true. But she could be, like, <laughs> a distant relative. Sure. I mean, how many McGowans are there? Uh, maybe, like, 9,850 in Scotland. Oh, I was going to guess, like, 32. But... <laughs> <laughs> still living. Sure. <laughs> anyway, um... Uh, she can't, her, although it was kind of an upper crust family, um, it was a very tumultuous household. Her par- parents were both alcoholics. Oh. Um, not a lot is known about her youth. She really kind of kept that to herself and she really didn't disclose that information, but it is known that there was some abuse. Um, no. not sure if it was emotional or sexual <laughs> or both. Um, I guess sexual abuse is emotional abuse. Sure. Um, but not sure to what extent. Um, when she was 10, her family... Is she, wait, is she still alive? Is this an old-time story, or is it a new-time story? So this story takes place in 19, um, 1974 is when okay. it begins. <clears throat> so she was born uh, in, like, 1949, uh, I think. Oh, so she's a young lady. Yeah. So um, she... Um, so when she was 10, her family moved to California and then, um, when she was in her teens, uh, she had this big altercation with her family, parents, aunts and uncles don't know what it was about. Mm -hmm. It's a mystery. Boyfriend? Possibly. Pregnant? Don't know. Well, there are some rumors that she may have dabbled in the occult. (gasps) Um, yes. Don't know. Not confirmed. What's her name? Her name is Doris Bither. Doris. Yes. So Doris, um, was disowned by her family. Okay. Disowned by her aunt and uncle. Fuck them anyway. To the point where when her parents died, they didn't even leave her in their will. Fine. Everything went to her brother. God bless So him. she was like, just completely downtrodden, like so poor, like nothing. She had four children. Okay. By four different fathers. Oh my. Multiple marriages. No judgment, Doris. It's fine. No, she had a rough life. Multiple marriages, multiple relationships. Okay. Um, so she's a single mother of four. She moves her kids into the small home in Culver City, California that she's renting. Um, the city of dreams. Right. Culver City. Culver City. <laughs> Close enough to Los Angeles to make you think. That you got a chance. <laughs> but not really. No. Uh, where dreams go to die. Yeah. Culver City. Where dreams go on hiatus. I know nothing about Culver City, so it sounds nice. Yeah. I like Culver. I think that's where like, a lot of the um, editors and gaffers and oh. uh, union people worked. Well, And I say worked because I, I feel like I got that information from like one of the many Judy Garland biographies I read. <laughs> I do feel like that's a thing and like... Sunset Boulevard or something like that. LA Confidential. Sure. Yeah. Like it. Like it's it, it's not prime time. It's Culver City. Right. <laughs> Culver that's City. The, that's where your lighting guys from. <laughs> <laughs> right. So uh, uh, she, they moved into this like painfully small home. Uh, one of her sons describes it as like there's um, 
the front room, which was like the living room and kitchen area, and then in the back were the bedrooms, which were really tiny, uh-huh. and those were actually added onto the house. Oh. And he said that there was like this weird like two level basement too, but it was just like so small. Okay. Um. So, um. <clears throat> soon after she moved in, this strange woman. Um, one account that I read said that she was um, a little Mex- little Mexican lady. I don't think that really matters, but <laughs> just throwing it out there. Sure. Um, they they said that she appeared at the door, um, and she said that she used to live at the house and said that it was evil. Oh no! And then she turned and left. Dude, that is not a knock at the door. I no. Want. So this is like like that's straight out of a movie. Yeah. And this is like. This has been a corroborated story that this happened. And she basically was like, get out. Don't stay here. <clears throat> okay. So. May I ask you a question? Yeah. You'd go, right? Yeah, I'd leave. Yeah. I mean, I know she didn't I, She didn't have, like, a lot of money, but, like, I mean, there's another shithole she could have moved into. If a little lady, I mean, you also have to take into account, I'm sure she had to save up for a security deposit, and you've got four kids, and there's yeah. so and she doesn't have any kind of support system. So I I really don't know what that's like. Um, no, I I don't either. Here's what I'm saying though. We've heard the words get out on this program so many times. Right. That at this point I would heed. True. And this is probably <laughs> like I mean, here's the thing. This is just this is me, Jay Stagman, having now been a host with you on High Spirits for what, sixteen episodes? Yes. The phrase get out makes me immediately be like packing my shit yeah good call true you know so if she, someone's like you're, you're gonna have to live uh at noelle's house for like a week i'd be like she's she'd be okay with that <laughs> wouldn't you uh yeah i'd totally be okay yeah. i'd be like here's some blankets and pillows mm-hmm. they're not the nicest of pillows but they'll work it's better than my haunted house oh <laughs> <laughs> I understand you left your pillows at home. Dude, I'm um, not taking anything. I'm never it's going to. It's covered with... in resonant ghost But bullshit. all your books and puzzles. Okay. I see what you did there. <laughs> they can't see your smile and see how, like, mischievous you're being. Uh, that was straight up mockery, listeners. No, you have so many books. What would you do without them? Well, I would leave them for the ghost to read. All right. Educate because, yourself. Yeah, if we were to believe that ghosts get better in the afterlife, maybe they'd read some of them and be like, oh... Yeah, you have a lot of smart books. I do. They might realize they're wasting their life with uh, shenanigans and fuckery. Right. Um, I'll stop interrupting. Please. So the old lady came by and said, get out. She didn't say get out so much. She just basically was like, this place is Is no good. Best to leave. Um, (laughs) Which is a totally different sentiment than get out. I'm out. Um, (laughs) So then shit starts to happen. Of course. Um. Now, uh, I don't know what to tell you first. Tell so, me uh, the part that's weirdest first. So Doris claims that the spirits would physically attack her. Okay. She um, said that there were three spirits Ooh. that um, would seek her mm-hmm. out and go after her. That there were two little spirits and one big one. The two little ones would hold her down. While the large sp- spirit, would... are we should we do a trigger warning here? Yes, this is this trigger warning. Uh, if turn if, it off for the next thirty seconds. Yeah, if you're if you're sensitive to any kind of sexual abuse, turn it off. Um, the two little spirits would hold her down. The large spirit would um, then rape her. Jesus Christ! So she was claiming what is. Um, was then called spectral rape. Yeah. So, um, she said the reports would range from, um, her walking around the home and just bumping into the ghosts Uh or them kind of like slapping her on the face. I think that's actually how it started was like, just a little, just like a slap on the face. Um, all the way to spectral rape. She had bruises on her inner Mm. thighs all over her body. Um, and there were people outside of, the family that corroborated her claims. Like she had some friends that she confided in and they actually witnessed her getting thrown around. Oh my God. Her children. Um, also we ask, are we allowed to ask people to come back? Are we finished talking about, um, yeah, come back. I'm going to, I'm going to have to revisit it a little bit later, okay. but, uh, come on. come on back. Come on back. 
So um, her children uh, also witnessed it. Her oldest son actually tried to intervene once and was pushed away, pushed across the room. So um, obviously the activity was uh, escalating. It was aggressive. It was not going away. So she didn't know what to do. She was kind of beside herself. Um, Now, were the two little specters children or they're just little? Don't know. But let, well, let me get, get into that a little bit. Okay. Um, let me let me talk about some other things. We'll get back into that. So <laughs> for those of you at home who cannot see this, uh, Noelle's please shut the fuck hand is just like <laughs> waving you off, waving me off. So um, kind of by happenstance, I mean, this is pure coincidence, uh, pure coincidence. She was in a library at the university um, and uh, she overheard Dr. Barry Taff and his associate, Carrie Gaynor. Um, talking about the paranormal. Um, oh, no, it was at a local bookstore. I'm sorry. Um, and she approached them, and she was like, my house is haunted. Oh, wow. And they were like, what? And she's like, please help me. And she gave Carrie Gaynor the details, and he was like, I'm going to have to discuss this with my associate. Oh, Carrie's a dude. Carrie's a dude. Okay. Um, and so they went to her house, and they actually saw some stuff happen. So they ended up bringing like they say too, like the first time they went to their house, they weren't really expecting anything. They thought like this woman seems to be a little out of her mind, but you know, we'll give her an opportunity to explain herself. So, um, on August 22nd, 1974, they went to her house and, uh, they saw some weird stuff. So they decided to bring a crew back. Okay. So for the next two to three months, they were bringing teams of 20 to 30 people into the house on pretty much a daily basis to investigate it because it was that intense. So um, here are a few things that happened. Where were her kiddos? Her kids were in the house. Okay. And I'm going to talk about one of her sons in a little bit, but they were like not cool with this. Like there was already. So with the investigation. Yeah. So. Or their mom. All of it. Got it. So Dr. Taff, um, in his accounts describes like the minute they walked in, he could sense this severe animosity and tension between the, the three oldest boys and their mom. Like there was just all kinds of tension. They didn't get along. So she had three boys and a little girl and the boys, I think um, at the time their ages were like 12 or it was like 14, 12 and 10. And the little girl was six, I think. Okay. Um, so one of the boys um, did an interview and he basically was like, there were 20 to 30 people in our house at all times. All they cared about was the spectacle. They're in our way. They didn't care about us. We couldn't live our lives. We couldn't be kids. It was terrible. Huh. So like they were not happy with this. So um, a couple of things that occurred while they were there, they actually like had Doris antagonize the, the spirits So they had her um, sit in her room and she was like swearing and yelling um, and they were like crammed in there, like had high speed cameras set up everywhere, just like snapping all these photos and nothing was happening. Nothing was happening. And they're like just pushing her like, keep, keep going, keep going. And so she's like just belligerent because she's also a drunk. Oh, she is a drunk. She's a drunk as well. So it's genetic. She's dealing with all this stuff. Okay. So, like, she's drinking all the time. So um, so Dr. Taff actually <clears throat> describes her as being drunk all the time. Oh, my God. And being often belligerent. Anyway. Yeah. And he said that actually when she was drunk, the activity was greater. And when she was sober... <gasps> It had decreased. So we're, we'll get there. Oh, I'm yes. so excited. So she's like yelling at this thing. And what they see is it says, and this is a direct quote. It says, to much surprise, light started manifesting around the room. As Dor- Doris kept provoking the being beings, a greenish mist started to form in a corner as if it was coiling. The green mist started swirling and growing. Within seconds, the form of a man's upper torso started to become visible in the mist. Very large and a lot of muscles is what they reported seeing. The torso of the being did not show facial details, but did show the investigators musculature. From what they gathered, this was a male entity. An investigator soon fainted after seeing this. 
Wow. So here's the thing. Hi. So 30 people witnessed this, but high speed cameras weren't able to capture it. Um, what they were able to capture were several light orbs and this weird light arc. Now here's the greatest thing about this light arc, um, which is a pretty, I think it's a pretty famous picture in the ghost world. Um, cause I'd seen it before. I didn't actually know <coughs> that it was related to the story. Okay. Um, <clears throat> the way the investigators describe this arc is like they're defending themselves because I'm sure they've just been like, it's just been ripped to shreds. So basically, um, what it says is, and this is their defense more or less, um, is it's her sitting on the bed and then there's this light arc and I'll post it on our Facebook page. It's this light arc behind her and their biggest um, argument that it's real and that it's not a projection is because her bed's in the corner. So there's like a corner and the light doesn't bend with the corner. It just like isn't perfect arc. Oh, gotcha. Okay. So they say what's incredible and equally unbelievable is that the arc of light appears smooth, even though this is a room with corners and one would expect bends in the arc as when someone uses a projector to display an image and the image hits corners in a room, the image will bend. The photographic evidence uh, produced by the team shows the arc of light floating above Doris Bither with no bends, even though behind it, we see the room's corner. Oh my. Yeah. So they're like really up high on this arc. Like this is their thing. What's it supposed to be? Don't know. Okay. Ghost. <laughs> so, okay. Um, <laughs> so that's more or less what it is. Like that was kind of the stuff that was happening with her. Now, um, I'm going to kind of, like, talk I've, about... In my mind, I cannot help it. I'm, like, just picturing a rainbow over her head. So it kind of looks like a light rainbow. Okay. Maybe I have seen yeah. this picture. Yeah. So I'll show you... I'll show it to you after this, okay. and then we'll post it on the page. Because <clears throat> I'm um, like, why is that rainbow, like, beating her up? Yeah. I know. It's so beautiful. <laughs> <laughs> By the way, fucking knock it off. You're a rainbow. So, um... <laughs> So a couple things about the spirits. Okay. Now, um, Dr. Taff at one point in his, uh, in his study, in his write-up, wrote that the two small spirits were um, Asian. What? That they had Asian features. Okay. Um, her son, Brian, who gave this interview, was like, I don't know where he got that from. They're not Asian. That's so weird. We don't know what they are. Like, where they came from. Right. It's just complete. He's like, this is so random. So, no clue okay. what they could be. Like, there are some theories, which I'm going to get to. Her son, Brian, who is the middle boy. Um, Sounds outspoken. He is. And there are some things about him as well where he kind of follows. Is he now a drunk? He, there, yeah, are stories that he prob- has kind of, like, fallen in his followed in his mother's footsteps. Sure. So, don't know. Don't know him personally. Like... It's kind of his word against the doctor. I bet you could, like, meet him and form a relationship pretty easily. Oh, my God. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I'm fucking around. Hey, listen, Brian, if you're listening to this, that was, like, probably not a nice joke at your expense. No, but I'd be like, hey, I have a million questions. And he also, it seems like he really doesn't want to talk about it. But he's willing to. Like, he gave this interview and he was kind of like, okay, I'll answer your questions, but this sucks. And it seemed almost too like he was... Um, despite the relationship that he probably had with his mother, I think he, you know, loved her and he really wanted to, um, salvage any kind of reputation. Sure. Like cast her in more of a positive light. Um, so I think. So was she famous in Culver City for being like a quack bag? Well, he said that, um, he did say that a lot of people thought that their house was haunted and that a witch lived there and that like kids would try to like sneak up to look in the windows. So... I think that, yeah, they were known for that. Um, So he also claims that there was a fourth entity. Um, Now, Dr. Taft didn't report that, but Brian said that there was a fourth one. And the kids called the fourth entity Mr. Who's It. Oh, cool. So he was named by the kids. Yeah, I love that name. Uh Uh-huh. And he was always walking around the house. And um, Brian claimed that it was his grandfather. Not sure if it was mother's father or father's father. And he said that he knew it was his grandfather because Mr. Who's told him so. Huh? Um, 
the investigators didn't believe that. They thought that this being was some someone far more sinister. Oh. But, yeah. So, um, here, uh, real quick, just to finish up, up on Doris, and then I'll go into some of the theories. So Doris actually moved from... Oh, real quick. So they did say, too, when she was drunk and belligerent, belligerent, she could call the entity on cue. Oh. So things would just, like, happen. Uh-huh. Um, so she moved to... Did it follow her? It did. Oh, okay. So um, she moved... We now have some answers, ghosts. Yes. Listeners. <laughs> Maybe. Possibly. Depending on what you believe. So she... So they were calling it a poltergeist. That's what um, the investigators had determined, that this was poltergeist activity. However, there are other thoughts as well. So we'll get to the theories. Um, She moved to Carson City and then to San Bernardino. (laughs) All the way from Culver City to Carson City? Or not Carson City. It's just Carson. I keep wanting to say Carson City. She moved from Culver City to Carson, California, then to San Bernardino, although her son says she never lived in San Bernardino, Um, then to Texas, and then back to California. Uh, the activity decreased, but, um, it did stay with her until she died in 1999 at 59 of respiratory failure. Now, she must have been smoking some cigs. Yeah, I think so. I think she was just, was so like in her mind and like, there was just so much happening. It just seemed just so sad and miserable. Um, so Dr. Taft did keep in touch with her until like the mid eighties, like early nineties. It's not clear. Um, after their investigation ended, um, at one point when she was in Texas, she claimed that she was impregnated by the entity (laughs) and he was like, no, honey, can't be done. Dr. Taft. Yeah. Yeah. So she, she had medical tests taken and they showed, was she like within childbearing range even? She was. Um, the test showed that she was not pregnant. Um, but she did suffer from an ectopic or a hysterical pregnancy. Huh. So, um, and her son said too, he's like, she had so many boyfriends. It's totally pro- possible that like she could have been impregnated. Got it. Any, you know, so, yeah. she, so she passed in 1999. There are some reports that she possibly died in 2006, but the 1999 thing seems the most realistic. Why, why the well, difference in years? Um, some people believe because her story is so famous and because it's like the most, um, it, it's the, I guess the most popular haunting story because it's the one that has like the most legitimate proof and like witnesses that, um, some people believe that she went into hiding. Oh, okay. All right. And so that maybe like people and, and like she was in and out of touch with her family. So people weren't sure. Like there was something that I read where somebody said that, it's possible that she was like her, one of her sons was claiming her to be her, his girlfriend for her to get like, uh, benefits or something. And then she died in 2006, but it was really like his mom. So it's, it's unclear, but I think that she was like trying to escape this and she wanted to get away from all of it. And so she just like shut herself off from the world. And I think she was always kind of that person, too, that was just, like... Running. Running. Well, yeah, the amount she moved indicates a little bit of running. Mm-hmm. All right. So there's a lot more to go. Like, yeah, there's so much go. to the story. Let's kick it. I'll stop talking. No, no, no. I just want to make sure we're good on time. So, um, sor- sorry, everybody. <laughs> so, uh, okay. So here are some theories. Dr. Taff believes that Doris had psychokinetic abilities and was manifesting these instances, which I think is really fascinating. Yeah, I would buy into that. Especially with the the whole drunk thing where every time she's drunk, things start happening. Things start moving, getting tossed around the room. She throws herself around. Um, uh, Well, it is. I mean, like, uh, for her to have taken whatever... out of the house with her Mm -hmm. is interesting right so so that makes kind of the most sense that um another theory is that the three entities could have been a physical manifestation of 
the poor relationship she had with her sons. Um, if there were three entities. Um, sure. Another is that the kids were psychic. So this is a direct quote. Um, the feelings that Doris's kids could have had against her and her addiction can be represented uh, by the Hephaestus syndrome. Um, I hope I'm pronouncing that correctly. Hephaestus being of the being the Greek god of fire and uh, metallurgy. I can never <laughs> say that. <laughs> I had to like smell that. I know. Uh, was kicked off Mount Olympus by his abusive mother. Uh, Hephaestus held a very turbulent relationship with his mother. Chaos and love combined in a love-hate relationship. So that's interesting. So, like, the kids are manifesting this stuff. Yeah, I don't want that to be true because I don't like the sexual nature of the right. encounter. But I understand... I understand the theory, but I just don't like the... the... Right, the sexual part doesn't make sense, which is why this one is my favorite theory and makes the most sense. Sure. And it ties into another uh, story that we talked about not too long ago. Okay. Uh, Doris attracted three evil spirits, possibly former people um, in her life, father, boyfriend, uncle, some male figure that had a negative impact on her. Mm -hmm. Now the author of this article who um, I'm going to talk about him in a little bit. He's like the guy who's like been working on a book, about this forever. His name's Javier Ortega. Um, so he wrote <clears throat> this article that I'm quoting a lot of this stuff from, um, on his website, ghosttheory.com. Um, he wrote a person that does not know about their abilities and, or is under the influence of a drug can have a great effect on their surrounding environment. Take into consideration the famous Bell Witch haunting. Oh. I almost fell out of my chair yeah. when I read that. I was like, wait, what? So here's a theory about the Bell Witch yeah, that I it. didn't know. Um, <clears throat> so apparently, Betsy Bell, if you remember. The littlest. The youngest. Um, was allegedly uh, possibly sexually abused by John Bell. I would put it past. And so... Um, That's the dad, right? Yeah. So some people think that she was actually psychic and that she was the one creating all of these, all of this phenomenon to help like her live throughout it or live like comfortably. So she was manifesting all of the attacks, Mm -hmm. which kind of like makes a lot of sense when you think about it, because she was going after John, she was going after her dad specifically, and then she was going to marry that boy. Uh-huh. And she was probably like, I don't want to marry this guy. Yep. And she was like making this stuff happen. Interesting. Yeah. yeah. We even talked during that episode that it was probably somehow associated with her. Right. Yeah. So I think that's really fascinating. So that's my favorite theory. Yeah. Questions? Before we move on. <laughs> No, um, I have to say that I do, I feel, um, I feel badly for Doris when you hear this story. It just kind of makes you feel like, I don't know. I mean, hopefully by the end of this, it'll make us feel good, but so far this is just like, I wish I could. It won't happen. It won't. Like, poor Doris. Um, It just feels like real swampy. Like, I feel bad. It's really sad. I should have, like, really prefaced this in the beginning. Like, this is a very sad story. This is like a me. You should tell, like... I mean, I really like the story because I think it's fascinating. It gets me really excited. But it's like, it's just like, what a tragic life she lived. Sure. Um, It's almost like she never had a chance. And you kind of wonder about her kids, too. Like, what kind of lives they left or led after she left them. Yeah. Um, cause this, they lived in this turmoil. Like this is what they grew up in. And it's really, really sad. So let's talk about one of her children. Okay. His name is Brian Harris. Okay. And, um, he was the, he's the middle son. So he's the second born of four. Um, so he did an interview with Javier Ortega on the website, ghosttheory.com. Um, interesting thing about Javier Ortega, I noticed that he <laughs> writes his name Javier with a J, which is how you normally see it. Mm-hmm. And then in later writings, he changed it to an X. Oh, so he's he's trending with an X. Okay. Um, yeah. So if you're you can search for him both ways, but I don't know if he's changing that for his book or what. 
Um, any whoozle. Um, by the way, Jay, Jay wrote that, like, any whoozle thing for me, like, in this, like, web series we did a really long time ago. And for some reason, it's, like, my favorite thing it to say. It has stuck. It has stuck. I say it all the time. Oh, man. It's, like, in me. Okay. So, I'm going to preface this by saying Brian Harris and Dr. Barry Taff are probably at war. Oh, okay. It's kind of fascinating. So um, I have a lot of just direct quotes from Brian Harris, okay. which I'm, I'm not going to read directly. I'm not going to read all of them, but I'm going to like try to cover as much as I can. Yeah. So Dr. Barry Taff claims that the house was condemned twice. Um, Brian disputes this. And he was like, the house was never condemned. Condemned by the by city? By the city. Okay. He was like, not true. For like dirty buggy stuff? Yeah. He's like, the house sucked. It was small. Um, but not condemned. People thought it was haunted. We had people trying to like break in and check the place out, but it was never condemned. Okay. And actually what happened with the house was once the owner of the house got wind of what was happening in there, he was so spooked out by it. Oh, they were renters. They were renters. Oh. Once he found out what was happening, he actually sold the house and they had to move out. That's why they moved out. So he sold it to somebody else. So, um, two words, tear down. Right? It still stands. No. We'll post a picture of that, too. Shit, y'all. It looks like this cute little, like, California home. Like, something that is in, like, a Los Angeles suburb. Tear it down. Tear that shit down. So, um, he says, this is a direct quote. He says, well, everything about that, um, about the attacks uh, that was reported was true. It did happen. Living in that home was hell. We all experienced some form of attack. There was pushing, biting, scratching being done to us. There were about four entities in the house and they made themselves known by appearing all the time. I think I took a lot of energy for them to do that. Um, he said that they would make themselves known like a fog. He said like a human, but not quite like a silly, um, he said like a silhouette, but not clear, like translucent and foggy. Um, he said like, sometimes it looked almost like, uh, like a chiseled body, like a sculpture, but okay. it wasn't like a full figure. So kind of like that green thing that the, manifested the hot demon they described. Right. And I think I saw actually, like when I was researching this, I, there was a video that I watched and there was one, like somebody that was there, one of the investigators had a picture actually of like the green manifestation. Um, but then I couldn't find it outside of that video. So I don't know okay. if they like made it for the video. Um, oh, <laughs> this is what he says <laughs> about the Asian thing. He says, it's funny, the whole incident about them being Asian, that's not true. I don't know where they got that idea from. They did not have Asian features. They did not look Asian. Um, so another thing is that <laughs> they weren't Asian. Yeah. Like get it together. What doctor. What was his name? Taff? Dr. Taff. T-A-F-F? T-A-F-F. I thought you were like saying Taft at first, but Taff. That's an unusual name. Taff. I went to college with a girl whose last name is Taff. Oh. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Maybe not unusual. Not so unusual after all. Yeah. Okay. Okay. And we had a, um... A, a local anchor man in Milwaukee, Jerry Taff. Really? Yeah. True huh. story. He lives up by my two, parents. Two demonic Asian manifestations at your school? I can't tell you that. <laughs> <laughs> We're not supposed to talk about it. I don't know it. if that's a no or just move on. I'm not supposed to talk about okay. it. Okay. So anyway, for the sake of time. Um, <laughs> uh, so now in the... Report by Dr. Taff. He claims that the boys listen to satanic music. And Brian's like, listen, we listen to Black Sabbath and Uriah Heep, which was the cool music to listen to at the time because it yeah. was the 70s and we wanted to be cool kids. It is not satanic music. This Everybody guy, listens to Black Sabbath. Right. But apparently, like, yeah, I've seen Black Sabbath in concert like three times. Whatever. Um, but I'm also... I know, you still have your concert bracelet on. Take it off. <laughs> I can't. I won't. No, take it off. It's, it's just starting to smell. Oh. Um, <laughs> I, like, rubbed my wrist. I know, I'm seeing it. <laughs> uh, kidding. Um, so, they claimed that when they played this, quote-unquote, satanic music, it would agitate the spirits. So... <laughs> 
That's so stupid. This is probably my favorite quote out of all of the things that I read. Um, Brian said, there's a song in the Uriah Heep album, Demons and Wizards, that talks about good versus evil. It's basically about the devil getting his ass kicked. Every time we would play that, they, spirits, would become agitated. Huh. So, um, apparently Demons and Wizards is what really did it for them. Sure. Well, I like that their spirits were really focused on lyrics. (laughs) (laughs) It's all about the message. I mean, it just depends on how you listen, right? Some people listen for the beat, some people for the melody, some other people are lyric guys. They, right. (laughs) Understood. Um, so, uh, and they didn't even play backwards. That's the most amazing thing. Yeah. Um, Brian, uh, claims that, that all the children have also have some psychic ability. Okay. He said that over the years it's, um, diminished, but they also like carry some tiny piece of it. I don't know any extent as to, before you ask, um, I don't know if they're all so close, if they don't if they speak to each other, what the deal is, like he mentioned that growing up, their oldest brother was really mean to them. So I don't know if he still has a relationship with them, but from what I read, um, the other children have like kind of spoken out saying that like, he's kind of, Brian's kind of not in a good spot and, um, kind of following in our mother's footsteps. So don't know where the kids are, what happened with them. Let's talk about Dr. Barry Taff. Yeah. Who is pretty incredible. Like, weirdo incredible or incredible, like, great? I want to meet this guy. Uh, He's all kinds of things. And I'll let you judge for yourself. (laughs) So, (laughs) Dr. Barry Taff um, holds a doctorate of parapsychology with a minor of uh, biomedical engineering. Um, I don't... Can you still get a parapsychology degree? I would highly doubt it. Is that a thing? I would We not should find that out. Somebody find that out. Um, <laughs> let us know. Uh, so he's a world-renowned parapsychologist. Um, he worked out of UCLA's former parapsychology laboratory from 1969 to 1978. Um, and then I think that that department um, dissolved from there. I think they stopped believing in spiritual things at UCLA. They're like, sure. we can't do this anymore. I think there was a that that uh, time period from World War II to about the close of the Vietnam War, where there was this idea that if you could harness uh, the paranormal, kind of mm-hmm. like the men who talked to goats and like yeah. LSD, and they were like working with like people to see if they could have telekinetic powers. Right. This is like idea to harness that for the government. Well, I think this also ties into like spiritualism like we were talking Mm -hmm. about last time right like that became such a big movement and people were still holding on to that and I think we got into probably the late 70s early 80s people started to be a little bit more we started to get into more of like the me generation and I think became more about science probably technology Firestarter by Stephen King is about telekinesis telekinesis and the government Mm-hmm. Actually, um, hate it as I do, it's relevant. Uh, Stranger Things is about that. Yes. So true. Using that little girl to spy. I still don't know how you can hate it, but whatever. Do you want me nope, to talk about it? Can't, we can't. Not now. We don't have any time. We have to talk about Dr. Barry I know we don't have time, but I mean, just to, just to push me off as though it's like a standard thing that one should love. It's just, you got to look past some things. And look at it as fiction. Um, That's a sentence that makes no (laughs) sense. I just think it's wonderful. Sure, there are things that don't make sense. Um, All of it? I mean, no. Okay, move on. Talk about Dr. Taff. We'll talk about it later. We've already (laughs) talked about it. All right, where where were we? Dr. Taff. Dr. Taff. He's investigated over 4,500 cases of ghosts, hauntings, poltergeists. And uh, conducted conducted extensive studies in tele- telepathy and precognition. Um, I'm laughing at my notes. Um, <laughs> he, you can visit his website, barrytaff.net. And then I have a note next to it that says Rose Red. Um, 
the, which is another Stephen King. Yeah. Um, it, it's a made-for-TV movie mm-hmm. with Nancy Travis. Yes. Nancy from... She's from um, Three Men and a Baby. And oh, I was so, thinking Nancy from um, Nightmare on Elm Street, but that was just her right. name. So I married an axe murderer. Oh, I know who she is. Um, there are other people of note in that movie too, but I unfortunately can't think of their names right now. Sure. But basically, Rose Red is a a movie about um, they gather all of these um, psychics, mediums, empaths, what have you, and they take them into this um, old house that is haunted to like get some answers about it. And um, all kinds of mischief and chaos ensue um, from there. <laughs> that's really your log line. But for she that was, movie? yeah, that's yeah. I don't know. <laughs> it was a mini. By the way, we at Paramount Pictures pass. <laughs> <laughs> Take it to the schmucks at Warner Brothers. Ah, <laughs> oh, Warner Brothers. Um, <laughs> I'm sure they're lovely people. Uh, well, the home of the Harry Potters. They own all of the uh, the the DC comic stuff too. Yeah, Warner Brothers is killing it. Yeah, they're doing very well. Um, so so it was it was a mini series that, that ran when I was in college, and I taped it on uh, VHS. On, what's that? on my VCR. What's that? <laughs> I don't know if you remember VCRs, uh, but I taped I it every doubt. night. I was born in 2001. And my roommate, my roommate Lisa, who you know. I do. She and I watched it every night. It was really creepy. Rose Red, you watch it every night? It was a miniseries. We'd come home from Oh, Universal I thought you meant you like... No, we Just watched, watched it every night. No, we watched like every it every night. Yeah, we'd rewind the, the VHS Because <laughs> you had to be kind. <laughs> well, because it would record... And then it would be at the end, and then you'd have to rewind it to start watching the, the film. Yes. Um. So this he reminded me of. The, I was kidding when I said I didn't know what I that know. was. Okay. But I. But we might have some youngins who don't understand how things work. Sure. Uh. Anyway. I mean, every once in a while, I explain to children what malls are. Oh God. <laughs> Boom. Uh. So. <laughs> So he reminds me of the Nancy Travis character from the movie Rose Red is why I put that note in there. Wait, the do- the male professor looks like Nancy Travis. He looks just like her with the curly ringlets. Oh my god, that's we went that far just to get that. <laughs> I know, right? He doesn't look anything <laughs> like her. He actually looks like a very normal person. Um, okay. Which is to say she does not. <laughs> she totally does. <laughs> she looks like a crazy ghost professor. He looks like a beautiful Hollywood starlet. Oh my god, what's <laughs> happening? New Glarus. New Glarus. You're so good. So, <laughs> so Dr. Barry Taff states he no longer believes. Um, here comes a trigger warning again, guys. Uh, so pause or actually fast forward for probably 30 seconds again. Um, he states he no longer believes that it was spectral rape or spectrophilia, but rather a disturbingly real poltergeist outbreak. Jay, you're probably going to ask me, what is spectrophilia? I feel like I know what it is, but go ahead. Oh, I'm glad you asked. (laughs) I have this whole thing planned out. Oh, yeah, I know. Yeah, what is spectrophilia? I'll tell you. Um, (laughs) Spectrophilia is a sexual attraction to ghosts or sexual arousal from images and mirrors, as well as the phenomenon of sexual encounters between ghosts and humans. Here's where shit gets really weird. Spectrophilia is a fetish that is classified as the paraphilia in which one is attracted to ghosts or spirits. Spectrophiliacs fantasize about ghosts and often imagine scenarios involving sexual events between themselves or other spirits. Again, I put another note that says, because I'm a jerk, race dance, which is the Dan Aykroyd character from Ghostbusters. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Because there's that scene where he gets blown. Yeah. By a ghost. So I love that you raised your hand to me and I was supposed to probably say something nice. And I said blown. <laughs> and I was like, great. Cause I didn't want to say it. Sure, Cause I'm a fine. lady. Um, uh, okay. <laughs> so it was or- orally copulated by a spirit. It still sounds gross. Um, he was fellatioed. <laughs> okay. Uh, moving on. So anyway, so Doris was uh, a spectrophiliac. Correct. Got it. Um, so this goes back to 
Dr. Taff and Brian Harris are at war. In this long thing that he wrote out for ghosttheory.com, he states that Brian Harris said his mother played with Ouija boards, Ouija boards, <laughs> yes, that's right. and dabbled in the occult, uh, which is what resulted in the falling out from her family, which I mentioned earlier. And then I put, I could not find this anywhere in the interview with Brian Harris. Like nowhere in that interview did he say anything like that. I don't know if there are other longer versions of this interview, but it seemed like pretty complete from what sure. I read. Um, and then I put Dr. Taff is bitter. Oh, um, so I'm not going to read all of this because it's really long, but I'm going to kind of skim over it. So he is pretty angry because he thinks, because there are, I guess people that are claiming that they were part of his lab at UCLA, that they were part of this investigation, and they were never there, and he doesn't like that they're making these claims. So, um, like, at one point, and this is in this whole thing that he's written out for ghosttheory.com, which is Javier Ortega's website. Uh, He says, for the last three decades, I can think of at least ten different people who have claimed to have worked with us on this case. Some of them I've never even met and would not even know if standing next to in a room. Um, put simply, they're all lying. Uh, I don't know why that was so hard for me yeah, to turn that page. Sorry. Um, and he's like, some, you know, over year, the last few years, several others have uh, surfaced. One of them has recently been boasting to have worked in our lab where we were training him as a medium to work for the U.S. government when he was well under 18 years of age at the time. The man is either seriously dis- uh, uh, is either seriously disgusting opportunist, delusional, or just psychotic. Neither our lab nor the U.S. government trained anyone as mediums, and we were not even allowed to work under- with anyone under the age of 18 due to the university's Human Use Committee regulations." Such people should at least check their historical facts before pontificating. You know what that statement tells me? That he's a pompous, pompous fuck? Yes. It also tells me that they were totally doing that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's like some MK Ultra shit. Right? That and was happening. Yeah. I want to find that guy. You're totally like, um, hey, everyone keeps saying the rumor about the 18-year-old. I want to just reiterate the rumor about the 18 year old is false. (laughs) (laughs) Never happened. He's disgusting. Um, This this is my favorite. More recently, a psychopathic woman has appeared on the scene who has been attempting to take credit for every case on the book. This is the book that he wrote, Uh Uh, such as one mentioned in chapter three, a hazardous haunting of my book, as well as the entity case, which is the Doris Bither case. Um, you can read more about this criminally insane excuse for a human female on this site, a demon's lair. I have not visited a demon's lair yet, but I will be. Uh, I also is... think that's a that's some rough stuff to say to a lady, sir. Well, he's not done. This is one seriously frightening person to be around. If one needs to chase a demon, here is one just waiting for you in La Crescenta. But beware, your valuables might mysteriously disappear while in her presence. This is not a joke. Um, <laughs> okay. He also goes after um, the TV paranormal reality shows <laughs> and uh, basically says they're garbage and um, they're every uneducated and ignorant new age groupie is out there looking for demons and they're like, they don't know what they're doing and they're all scripted and not real, which yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Way to crack that case, buddy. <laughs> so Thanks, Professor Taff. So he's um, pretty upset. And then my final note about him is, after like the follow-up to Dr. Taff is bitter, most likely because he hasn't been invited onto a ghost hunting show. Yeah, I know. If they would just have him be a character witness. Oh, I know, right? He just wants to be invited, you guys. Right? Just let him come on and hang out with you. He just wants to show you his curly hair. <laughs> His ringlets. Yeah. Um, maybe I'll write to the medium and the mook and see if they're, they'll let him on. Do it. Oh, my God. So, finally, we're, we're wrapping up here. Um, there is some media that you can check out about this case. Get a pen and paper. Get ready, listeners. everybody. Um, so, first and foremost, um, there is the movie The Entity, 
which came out in 1981. Which is what you wanted me to I watch. I wanted you again. to watch with me, and you wouldn't. Um, <laughs> I sent Jay a text the other day, and I was like, hey, I have this movie starring Barbara Hershey. Who I, like, do not get it twisted. You see her full frontal. What? Yeah, because she's... I don't know that I want to see that. No, you don't. It's terrible. And actually, they use prosthetics, and it's weird. They fake boobies? Yeah. For what purpose? Because you see the, like, movement, like, there's weird stuff happening. Oh. It's really disturbing, actually. Well, I love me some Barbara Hershey. It's her. But I don't like scary movies. Right. It's... I I don't... I didn't think it was that scary. So, I actually, um... (laughs) When I... When I decided I was doing this story, I actually ordered the movie on Amazon because it was, like, $6. And I was like, rush delivery! I need to watch this immediately! And then I didn't watch it for, like, two days. Um, but... It, it came out in, in 1981 before Poltergeist, actually. Before Beaches? And before Beaches. <laughs> uh, so this was actually, like, kind of the first Poltergeist movie, but Poltergeist got more attention. But the, I think this is actually, because it's based on a true story, it's actually more terrifying. And um, It also stars uh, Ron Silver. Don't no? know that I know. Don't notable conservative Jew Ron Silver? <laughs> That was kind of his thing in Hollywood, actually. That was his thing. He died. He died probably like ten years ago. He had a really bad bout with cancer, unfortunately. Um, uh, I'm trying to think how you know, and I won't waste anyone's time. But I was. I don't know why I like Ron Silver so much. There's something about him that I just see like in all your horror movies. No, not at all. He's always plays like a lawyer or something, or like in this movie, he's a psychologist (laughs) or a psychiatrist. Um, and he's got like his like kind of like. New York accent, like Got a it. subtle, like Yiddish kind of New York. Okay. Yeah. I don't know why I like him, but he's also in the movie. Cause um, you gotta, you gotta, you gotta like think for the Hebrews. I may. <laughs> uh, <laughs> the smile on your face is huge. <laughs> it's such an interesting attraction and I love everything about it. <laughs> Cause I'm German. Um, <laughs> anyway, uh, Dr. Perry, Barry Taff also wrote a book. Oh, and this, he talks about, <laughs> he talks about many things in this book, but uh, he focuses quite a bit on, on the story. The book is called Aliens Above, Ghosts Below. Figure it out, guys. Um, he says, no, that's right in your face. And then Javier Ortega. Aliens uh, Above, Ghosts Below? Because aliens are in the sky and ghosts are here on Earth below with us. Oh. I don't know. Okay. He has a pretty extensive, like, resume if you go into his website. Like, he's busy. He's doing stuff. Sure. Yeah. Yeah, I don't doubt it. Um, so I just I, find him bothersome. I Yeah, he's pretty troubling. Like, when you read the way he writes about people, it's I mean, terrible. what would he say about me? What a terrible excuse for a female I'm human. Not, I'm not going to lie. I'm slightly concerned that he may sue me for reading would, stuff from his website. I would hope so. Come at me. I quoted you, and I said I was quoting you. Yeah. It's like um, me with the voodoo guy when I had <laughs> all that buyer's remorse. I was like, get me. And you're like, don't. Don't. Well, the voodoo guy's different because he can hex us. Yeah. This, guy, this guy, I'll just find a lawyer. It's a, That's easy, right? Hold on. I'm just going to be a witch for a second. I bind you, Professor Barry Taff, from doing harm doctor, to yourself and doctor others. Doctor, dear. Professor is a doctor. That's true. So he's a fucking, like, surgeon. Touche. He's a parapsychologist. We respect you. Sorry about it, Bear. And finally, uh, you can check out Javier Ortega's work at ghosttheory.com. And I have a note about him that, says, that just says, uh, been working on a book for a really long time. His fans are very anxious. Chomping. Yeah. Like on one of, one of his um, pages on his website, somebody wrote, I read, I just Googled Javier Ortega and it said that he died. And then, like, there are all these, like, things after. And then the guy was like, oh, I just wrote that to see if he would respond to me because I'm so tired of waiting for his book. Oh. I was like, that's clever. It's a jacked up thing to it's do. It's a jacked up thing. But if you want somebody to be like, just kidding, I'm still here. Still working on my book. Yeah. So the last I read was that in, like, 2011, he was still working on the book and he had, like, hit a roadblock or he was having some issues with it. So I would love to read that book if it ever comes out. So if you're listening, Javi, 
I'm ready for your book. Mm-hmm. Get on it. Yeah. So that's the story of Doris Bither. It's very sad and tragic. Um, so hopefully she is resting wherever she may be. <laughs> um, I, 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 I hope it's in Culver City underground, but we don't, we don't know. We don't know. Ladies and gentlemen, you have been listening to High Spirits. Uh, obviously, the show in which we drink spirits and we talk about ghosts. Right. Uh, I'm brought to. Uh, I'm not brought to. Uh, Where are you? My uh, drink is New Glarus and Spotted Cow Grand Crew. Spotted Cow Grand Crew. I think I'm saying that right. I don't know. I don't know. And uh, you are sponsored by Prophecy. Prophecy Red Blend. It's good enough. It packs a punch. <laughs> It made me cough. <laughs> um, if you would like to get in touch with us, um, please feel free to go to our Facebook page. It's called High Spirit Chicago. Um, we're also um, on SoundCloud uh, and iTunes, High Spirit Chicago Podcast. Yeah, and if you go to hi- uh, iTunes, don't forget to rate and review us. That's how we get more listeners. Yeah. And how people like us. Yeah. I mean, get, you know, give it a shot, whatever. Blah. Also, if you feel like emailing us, you're more than welcome to. HighSpiritsChicago at gmail.com. We would be super happy to talk about ghosts that you want us to talk about or, you know. We have a Twitter, too, right? Oh, yeah. That's right. Our Twitter is HighSpiritsChicago. So. Yeah. We're we're all over the social media sphere. Yeah, we are. Yeah. Um. Okay, cool. Well, that's all I have to say. Uh, and we thank you for joining us for episode 16. Noelle always takes us out with sweet dreams. <laughs>